When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Every time I open an episode up on this beat, I always go off. <laughs> Let's see what happens this week. Way before the natural disasters will get involved. Rome is gonna burn, you won't learn to the city's fall. Crooked politicians will come in and try to stall. The only benefit is the climate will kill them all. You think the shit is a show and you hope that we'll get it solved. One day you covered in snow like the day is after tomorrow. I don't even like that movie. It was nothing but bump. It had Dennis Quaid, he and his brother fucking with Trump. This is real MC shit. Truest in the deepest. I only wanna see the deal if it be the greenest. Only wanna eat a meal if it be the cleanest. Fuck a sweatshop, make my soups by a seamstress. I'm making me swish, eat you like a deep dish. Dope knife, smoke too much dope, I don't mean shit <laughs> but i mean this i love you hey how y'all doing today hey my name's dope knife i'm lingua franca and we are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations hurry up so this is our first fully remote episode yeah and my ass is in myrtle beach pretending yeah. to have a good time i've walked i've been on the beach one time you have never the been to Myrtle three Beach three days before. that I've been here. There's an actual beach in Myrtle Beach? There's an actual beach. I'm staying right on it. It's cold as fuck. I don't know why I'm here. It <laughs> is cold. I'm here. Well, you're kind of taking your little pre-Christmas break. Yeah, break, right? I thought it would be nice to have a change of scenery, less reminders of dead cat. And, yeah. uh, oh, you know, beautiful beach walks every day to calm and cleanse my spirit. And instead, I just sleep all day and hang out with my parents who are watching fucking MSNBC and <laughs> eat ra- ramen like normal. <laughs> Hasn't it kind of ended up being a working trip? Yeah, I mean, I have my um, dissertation proposal uh, presentation tomorrow. So I'm going to find out tomorrow whether they're going to let me do the dissertation as I have 
proposed it and have written that proposal over the last year and a half. So you're going to have to defend it and everything? Yeah. And so I've proposed it as a series of hip hop mixtapes. Like, I'm hoping they will let me do a rap. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, I mean, it does have some academic merits. My argument is that I want it to be accessible for hip hop audiences as well as educators and like academics. So like it's not me throwing on the in the car and listen to you and when you listen to it like ten times you're like oh shit you start like, letting me see okay, this course analysis okay well, that's that's the whole that's okay, supposed to be yeah. the uh, the power the educational power of hip hop so you, know, yeah. you absorb it so similar to like an Aesop rock record where you slowly unravel it over like ten or twenty listens yeah as opposed to just like who's gonna sit down and read this thing no, no one three people and then it's never gonna be looked at again so how they let me do that and then it's partially for clout let's be real honest there's i don't think that woman has ever done that before yeah um there is a man who i hope to have on the show one day who is a professor at i believe the university of virginia who got his phd at clemson and did like a rap dissertation but i don't think any ladies have ever done that so i'll be the first so that'd did be they cool. get did they get any of that on camera I mean, you can listen to his album. Oh, word. So his whole album is like the dissertation? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, damn. Yeah. yeah. So what is, uh, what's the plan after this? Are you planning on going back up for like Christmas or? Oh, to, what, like travel-wise? I mean, I. Uh, like, are you, because you, you're, 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 you're with your folks right now, right? Yeah, with my, with my pops. With your um, pops. Yeah. So are you going to go see your mom on Christmas? Or you... I think I might go see my mom on Christmas. Um holidays mean a lot to her particularly since the passing of her sister two years ago and so um i think it mean a lot to her so i'm gonna try to do that you know get tested and everything make sure i'm bringing the rona home and you know bringing the rona down the chimney that's why i'm not going up because my my parents my mom's all the way in virginia and it's just i don't know i just don't feel Neither of us feel like I should be traveling right now. Remember that time so. I took you to North Carolina with me and then we stayed up all night watching Black Summer with my mom before we took you to the bus station to get the bus to Virginia? Yeah, and then <laughs> we watched that alligator movie too. What was that and called? The alligator movie. What was that? I don't know. You know what? That's like the that's like a that's an awesome crawl. That was the name yeah, of the crawl. We watched the girl with all the gifts. Yeah, it was, was a, that was a dope <laughs> night. Crawl was really dope. That was surprisingly was real. Excellent. Excellent. Isn't it? I don't, you know, I don't remember. I mean, I just remember it was like the big alligator that was eating motherfuckers in the house. But like, doesn't that kind of, didn't that a little, little bit have to do with climate change or something? <laughs> it was, it does. Wasn't like a flood. Of this week. Yeah. Rising sea levels, disruption of ecosystems, causing pandemics, as well as, you know, displacing animals that then come in your home and bite your big ass crocodiles bite your hand off and then you gotta like call national guard shit's fucked up (laughs) today is um it's kind of part of our spitting images series a little kind of in the sense that we are going to be talking to somebody who had had you know one foot in the uh well i should say both feet firmly in the music industry in the hip-hop game and now they're very heavily involved. You say in, had. Like, this nigga doesn't have, like, Akon and Jeezy, like, hitting him up. Like, how do I support your campaign and shit? Yeah, like, well, the difference is like, he's got people. the difference is he has them hitting up asking about how do you support my campaign? Not, yo, how can I get such and such artists to feature on, you know what I'm saying? So it's like a, it's, he's like, well, as he's going to, you know, talks to us about, he uses, he's still using, you know, skills that he got in the music game. 
yeah. within politics. But that's that seems to be a, a theme for our Spitting Images series. But we're going to be talking to Daniel Blackman. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about him? Yeah, so Daniel, I met Daniel shortly before the pandemic started at a Japanese restaurant in Atlanta, shortly after in Atlanta for Bernie rally that uh, I was a speaker at. Didn't know Daniel at all. He was introduced to me through a mutual friend. Um, and I learned about, you know, his previous work with Bernie Sanders, or that he was running for public service commissioner, a little bit about what public service commissioner is. So he's running for a public service commissioner in District 4, which is Northeast Georgia. But these seats, they are elected statewide. Um, and so in addition to um, the Senate runoffs, in January, on January 5th, people also have the choice between Daniel Blackman and this other dude, Bubba McDonald, which sounds, sounds like, <laughs> he sounds like he sucks. So I've been, uh, you know, as part of my like canvassing initiative that I have been spearheading in Athens, we've been focusing heavily upon support for Daniel in the runoff because people, as we've talked about previously on the show, tend to forget about downbound by like candidates, even though they have play such a huge role in things like, you know, our local ordinances, our local laws, state, statewide legislation, like minimum wage, minimum wage hikes and marijuana legalization. But with the public service commissioner in particular, I mean, like, here we are, middle of the pandemic, people are getting their fucking power shut off, they're getting their water cut off, they're getting their, their kids don't have internet to be doing virtual school. Our power bill, I mean, our house gets cold as hell. Yeah. We got, those, we got one of those. We got one of those. Over the windows to like keep heat in and like all this shit because that should be like three hundred bucks a month. Coming. We got one of those southern houses where it's like oh, yeah. a conductor of everything that's going on yeah. outside. So when it's when it's hot outside, it's super hot here, and when it's cold outside, it gets so cold in the house. And what we pay, you know, that's determined by effectively by the public service commission in that they negotiate with. Georgia Power, they negotiate with various utilities providers for how much of those costs go on the t- taxpayer and how much, you know, shareholder benefit these companies yeah. get for the folks that hold stakes in them. And so, um, yeah, we're going to be talking to Daniel today. We're going to be talking a little bit about climate change, environmental racism, and things of that sort. Well, what? Okay, so why does uh, climate change and environmental racism, how does that tie into Daniel Blackman? So, I mean, uh, uh, negotiating for investments in solar and nuclear and other forms of renewable energy that help bring down the rate that we pay um, as ratepayers, uh, like, that's a part of their role. Um, and one thing I like about Daniel is that he brings to this work, like, an activist spirit. So a lot, I've, in this work as an elected official, I've met so many politicians who just do what is asked of them. And, pro- and not even that half of the time. Yeah. Like, well, my job is to get the roads paved and keep the buses running and lay the sewer pipes. And that's, like, literally all I'm going to do. And then you got cats like Daniel that are like, yo, I'm going to do whatever I have to do with, like, the power of like my position and in part like the like the bully pulpit of like being an elected official and yeah. like being a well-connected person that holds the seat of power to like I'm gonna do whatever it takes to like get what my people deserve and so yeah. if you're gonna hear this interview like he's just like w- like willing to do whatever to like bring like clean energy jobs to Georgia to create like a pipeline for people um, for these uh, clean energy jobs that are gonna be hopefully developed through his advocacy on the Public Service Commission 
fighting for things like weatherization for low-income homeowners because like, I have people, people like us. I mean, we don't own our house, but like, damn, if we had better insulation, bro. <laughs> And that's not, I, mean, I don't think that's necessarily what the public service commissioner does, but he's that's what like, we need. He's like down to fight for that, and so yeah. like in a very material way. Though you know, like I'm obviously supporting the Senate candidates and like trying to remain as optimistic as possible. Like I actually really believe in Daniel. Like I really, really believe in him, and so like I really want to see him win because I really think it's going to make a material impact on the lives of like millions of Georgians that are struggling to pay. The utilities bills. Uh, with that dude, I get the sense that it's just the first step. I have a feeling he, he's the sort of person who could go from helping millions of Georgians to maybe millions of Americans one day. President Blackman? Ooh, Shit. Hey, hey, Shit. Hey, Yo. hey, hey, it's a I'd new world. Nina Turner to <laughs> Daniel's Bernie Sanders. If it gets <laughs> that would be <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. So, um, like with uh, last episode when we were talking about marijuana, marijuana legalization, mainly, you know, because I smoke a lot of pot. And also, it came up because the election had just gone through and it was on our mind because it played such a huge role. I think what's played equally as important a role in this past election was issues of the environment and climate change and energy. I think that was definitely a swaying factor in the way a lot of people voted, especially people who are more on the progressive end who weren't necessarily on board with vote for Biden and team blue, no matter who, but, you know, legitimately weighed the existential threat that is climate change against the backdrop of how Joe Biden would deal with it and how 
tr- another four years of the Trump administration would deal with it. Um, so just to give a little rundown of the situation, for I'm pretty sure the type, you know, people listening to this show, these are probably things that you guys have heard before. But one of the biggest reasons why it was important for, uh, you know, I guess Joe Biden to get into office is because left unattended the way that it was going under the Trump administration we're pretty much like teetering on the edge of disaster with the way that the climate is right now. I mean, like we're talking day after tomorrow type shit. Like, (laughs) so, and, and I mean, 10 years ago, that might even have seemed like it might be hyperbole or exaggeration. But I think with this past year of 2020 of like, strange global pandemics and raging wildfires for weeks and weeks you know what i mean and like freak tsunamis and shit so i mean in no way is it to suggest that it wasn't until 2020 that the climate started getting out of control and even with the things that we have experienced over this past year it's just like I don't know. I just feel this sense of dread. Like people aren't really going to wake up until, until we get to that irreversible point that everybody's worried about. So I guess in the most layman stoner rap dude way that I can articulate it is the uh, whole concept of the 1.5 degrees. Scientists have predicted that if the planet crosses 1.5 degrees, that that's pretty much going to be the point of like no return. Global temperature increase, is that correct? Yeah, global temperature increase. That's like the that's pretty much going to be the point that triggers all of the bad shit. That's the stuff of nightmares. So, um, per the Climate Reality Project, which is a nonprofit organization that's involved in education and advocacy related to climate change, the oversimple version is that. The more heat added to the Earth's climate system, the more heat added to Earth's climate system, the more out of balance natural systems get. The more out of balance natural systems get, the more destruction and suffering we see. And it's almost always poor families and people of color who suffer the most. So where does the 1.5 degree number fit in? Well, at about 1.5 degrees of global warming is right about where there's enough heat to push many of the natural systems that sustain us past the dangerous turning point. And although countries created the first truly global plan to tackle climate change in the Paris Climate Agreement, the work is far from over. There's still a gap between what countries pledge to do, what scientists say is needed to avert climate catastrophe, and what countries are actually doing because i don't know how many countries have actually accomplished their pledges to the paris climate accord yeah is it is it like is it a lot more talk than actual action on that a lot more talk than action from what i understand about the issue but to address this countries set five-year milestones to take stock of progress and strengthen their commitments with the first of these opportunities coming up next year and if we don't deliver more aggressive targets, it will be nearly impossible to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius or, you know, 2.7 Fahrenheit. Then cracks would start to appear in the foundation of the Paris Agreement's architecture. And that's per wildlife.org. Uh, 
Yo, I don't even know how climate denial is even a thing anymore. Look straight up. I would say it isn't really. I mean, I feel like I don't know. I haven't seen I haven't seen the data, the numbers on like where public approval of or acceptance of our climate reality is. I don't know. No, that's true. I don't know those numbers either. But I mean, just like just like with fucking COVID is like at this point. I think if even three motherfuckers don't believe in climate change, that's three people too many. So I also don't meet, meet a lot of real people that uh, are climate deniers. Please well, say, I do but that's because we're, we're, we're definitely in our, I don't want to say bubble, because I mean, especially not you, because, you know, you're out there and you're 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 really like talking to people. But I mean, there's a lot of people who don't take this shit seriously, just, even if we haven't met them. I mean, just consider that we know how many people don't take COVID seriously, right? And that's like some shit that we know is like an empirical fact that's got bodies on its name and there's like people who like really just don't give a fuck. And not all of them are are like Trump supporters, you know what I'm saying? About two-thirds of American adults, according to Pew Research, say the federal government is doing too little to to reduce the effects of climate change. And there's a similar amount that say the government efforts to protect air and water quality are uh, are not up to par. There's a strong consensus among Democrats, 90% of whom think the government needs to do more to, to reduce the effects of climate change. Even among Republicans and GOP-leaning independents, about 65% of people say uh, the federal government is doing too little to reduce the effects of climate change. So by, on bipartisan lines... Uh, people think that climate change is a BFG. No, BFG. BFD. And What's a BFD? A big fucking deal. Yo, I don't fucking know internet. I don't speak internet sometimes. It's got to be spelled speaking out. Speaking of generational me. divides, <laughs> uh, speaking of generational divides, uh, the millennial generation and Gen Zs aged 18 to 38, which you're in, by the way. I know. 52% think that government's doing too little. And that number decreases among Generation X and the Baby Boomers, 41% of Gen X and 31% of Baby Boomers, who, thankfully, Baby Boomers make up like 75% of fucking Congress. So our future is in great hands. I mean, my... My, my generation, we were, you know, back, we were, I'm the generation from when we used to call it global warming. Like, yeah. that was the, you know what I'm saying? You gener- so you remember Man Bear Pig? No, what's that? South Park? You don't remember that? Oh, thing? no, 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 I don't. You know, I was never really the biggest South Park watcher. You ever have this whole thing making fun of uh, An Inconvenient Truth and Al Gore? And, and this, like, oh, you, guys you know what? Like, oh, I my ha- God, gotta watch out for Man Bear Pig. And, like, how was about it? And they later apologized. The South Park creators later apologized to Al Gore for... Car- for um, Characterizing it that yeah, way? Yeah, for caricaturing him like that. Because they were like, shit, this nigga was right. <laughs> You know what made me get like aware about the climate when I was a kid? It's because one of the most memorable rap songs from when we were kids, it was at the end of a cartoon. Or was it at the beginning of the cartoon? I don't know what when they played it, but it went like this, right? Let me let me bust out some bars for you. Where the planet tears, you can be one too. 
saving our planet is the thing to do. Looting and polluting is not the way. So here's what Captain Planet has to say. The power is yours. But even that framing... That 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 stuck in my head. It's so interesting how that framing... It's always been framed as like an issue of individualism and consumer habits. Yeah. Of like, if only you, you know... Turn down your thermostat and, uh, you know, fly less and drive instead. Take the bus. Ride your bike. Like, we will stop this when it's yeah. like, nah, nigga, these fucking corporations are the ones that are just destroying the planet. And so, like, the power is in our hands to overthrow them and, like, I don't know, count, you know, just fuck their stuff. They're trying to make you use a paper straw. Yeah. It's like this is our contribution towards helping, and then they're like polluting by the megaton somewhere else. So bringing it back to the home front, so more specifically for Black folk, historically at least, you know, in my experience, the issue of like the importance of climate change isn't necessarily at the top. At least, again, this is all anecdotal, but it isn't necessarily, like, the main thing that most African-Americans are talking about. And I feel like that's a failure on the left to frame it as an economic justice issue. Because, again, tying this back to the importance of public service commissioner, like, achieving 100% clean and renewable energy is going to save people so much money. So much money. Uh, energy efficient upgrades on all of these low income houses that we all live in and shit. So much money. Like the economic burden that lifts off of working people to like have clean and renewable energy is just astounding. Yeah. It's never framed in such a kitchen table way where it's like this it's not just about saving the pelicans and whatever yeah. and the polar ice caps. Oh God, Well a, a lot of that is a lot of that is framing though, like, because I think I think I'm some sorry. of that is I think some of that is Republican propaganda though. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of the a lot of the people a lot of the um idea of like climate climate change awareness and shit like that is totally framed from like a a republican standpoint to make it sound as distant as it possibly can sound you know what i mean it's like they're not worried about you and what you have to they're not worried about you and your pocketbook and what's on your table they're worried about the pelicans they're worried about they're worried about the elephants. They don't care about you and your kitchen table issues. They're worried. You know what I mean? They, they don't care about you the the jobs that are provided by the oil industry because they're tree huggers and shit like that. that you know what I'm saying? Like, that uh, shit seeps did in. Did we not have the presidency for eight years and the Senate and the House for illegally a good majority of that? Not a good majority, but like a portion of it. During which time we had like control over the discourse and could have like done something about climate change. And also build popular support to have done more about climate change by talking about it in kitchen table ways. So when you talk about, oh, these Republican talking port points, really it's these corporatist... Corporatist talking points. Talking points. <laughs> on both sides of the aisle, the Democrats that haven't taken this seriously throughout their 10 years in Congress and the Senate, uh, as well as Republicans that have outright opposed it, like this failure to talk about I mean it's among among ideal it's like seeming ideological allies a failure to talk about it well I think in a productive way that would build support in the popular movement to get shit done some of these uh, things I think are starting to change just in terms of you know black people's 
just just in terms of like where the climate stands on like the list of things that are important to black people a polling from the research firm the lincoln park strategy lincoln park strategies uh and commission by- lincoln pa- for a second and i was like i'm fucking logging off no polling, i don't want to hear but polling I, I, from- I, I have such a, a visceral immediate reaction to the lincoln project that i was like lincoln who <laughs> Oh, I thought I thought you were about to say you had a visceral reaction to Lincoln Park. I was like, "Yo, what did Lincoln Park do to anybody?" <laughs> but now I'm pulling from the research firm Lincoln Park Strategies and commissioned by the Environmental Defense Fund shows that a majority of African Americans are personally affected by disease and extreme weather made and made worse by climate change and support a transition to 100% clean economy to curb climate pollution. A majority of African-Americans are affected by severe heat and extreme storms that are made more dangerous by climate change. 57% of black people think that climate change is getting worse. And um, 77% of African-Americans surveyed believe that achieving a nationwide but 100% clean economy is a solution to climate change. Maybe not the solution. It's I don't know what how, what kind, how they polled people. Uh so that wording is interesting, <laughs> being a linguist. Uh, <laughs> cool, it was so interesting. They said a solution and not the solution. I should just walk into the ocean. But, um, but so 77% of black people think I mean, that, you know, achieving a 100% clean energy economy is like, hey, anyway. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe like the, you know, the messaging or, or the, the awareness that we need that sort of direct sort of like you know that connection between our like material benefit and the climate maybe we needed that sort of messaging that we've been getting over the last i want to say it feels like it's been like the last five years that i've heard that kind of being a thing it's like hey black people need to be more aware of like the climate we need to be more up on that and shit like that so maybe it's starting to like yeah who did katrina happen to and then talk about our like you know black and you know our brown brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Who did Hurricane Maria happen to? We are exactly. the ones getting fucking wiped off the face of the planet first as the sea levels rise and these storms start churning up in the South Atlantic and all this shit, man. Damn yeah, I feel like that's the way that shit needs to be explained for real. Like they should just put that last little blurb that you just said in like a PSA, and that's what people need to hear. <laughs> Speaking of people who, you know, explain it to you the way that it needs to be explained, let's uh, transition this into talking to our guest today. Yeah, let's bring Daniel on. So we're here with Public Service Commissioner candidate for District 2, Daniel Blackman. District 4, District 4. District 4, District, okay, let me try that again. So we are here (laughs) with Public Service Commissioner candidate for District 4, Daniel Blackman. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. Like, like, I mean, I'm I'm in such good spirit right now. I feel that we're on our second win. I feel like we have a lot of opportunity. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for the privilege of being on this show. Hey, thank you for coming. Yeah, we're huge fans and very excited to have you. So to get us started, um, you know, a lot of people don't always pay attention to these down ballot races. They may not know what the Public Service Commission does. So if you could explain to our listeners briefly what the Public Service Commission is, how it impacts us and what some of your goals are for being our next Public Service Commissioner. Yeah. So, you know, first and foremost, 
Georgia has the fifth highest electric rates in the United States and the eighth highest utility rates in the country. Um, on average in the U.S., about 5% of a person's paycheck goes to their utility bill. In Georgia, 18% of our paycheck goes towards our utility bill. So that should alarm you within itself. And to know that there are individuals, five individuals in this state that make decisions for every single person's light bill, um, that should be a huge issue. And I want to change that. I think it's very important for us to understand what we need to do as a community, why the commission is important, why lower utilities are um, better for low and moderate income families so that energy burdens don't overwhelm folks that are just trying to save money to put food on the table. So, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to be in the position we're in. Why, you know, the importance of the U.S. Senate and those are critical races. Um, pocketbook issues like this are very critical to the survival of our most vulnerable communities. And then lastly, you know, let's be honest, man, our kids are at home without wireless broadband in too many cases. And if our kids can't learn, they can't succeed, they can't compete and they get left behind. And Mariah, I'll say this, because I, I view you as a friend, like that's just not going to happen on my watch. I just, yeah. I just, you know, there's a quote by Frederick Douglass that says to, you know, you either build strong children or repair broken men. And I think we, we owe it to our community to build a better future for our children. So this isn't your first time running for office. So uh, you live in Forsyth County, which didn't integrate until 1989. Is that correct? Well, I mean, kind of, sort of. So in 1912, uh, the population of Forsyth County, um, its African-American population was 1,100 of 6,000 of its residents were black. There was a lynching that happened and the, uh, the, the black residents were forcibly removed. So from 1912 to 1987, um, it's documented that black folks did not live in the county. As a matter of fact, it is documented to have been considered a sundown town in the 60s and 70s. Oh, man. So after 1987, while there were numbers of black folks, I mean, if you tell me that out of 20, 30,000 people, that 200 are black, then yeah, it might it might not look like that or 100. So the numbers have been low. Even today, uh, only 5% of the population of Forsyth County is black. Um, I was the first African-American to run for office in the county in 2016. Um, and you know what? Honestly, man, I, I take it as a, as a, you know, I don't take that lightly because I understand that we live in a country and in a society that while we look at Confederate monuments in so many other areas, the bottom line is, man, there are a whole lot of counties and areas in Georgia and around the country that haven't caught up to where they should be. Um, so you talk, took us back a little bit to uh, running for office in Forsyth County. You, so I wanted to go back to the roots and ask you about how you got started in organizing. So when I was 19, uh, I got active in the civil and human rights community in Georgia um, by default. I, I, I had a friend who I met um, at Clark Atlanta University. When I say friend, this was this gentleman was about 30, 40 years older than me. So uh, I, I rolled with old heads. And uh, this gentleman by the name of Reverend Gerald Durley uh, became my mentor. And he introduced me to Reverend James Orange, Reverend C.T. Vivian, Maynard Jackson, Reverend Joseph Lowry, Shirley Franklin. I mean, like, I, I literally was baptized by fire. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went to Clark Atlanta University. And I think that there is no better place to get a historical education and context than HBCU for a, a, a young black man growing into maturity and into himself. You can go to any university around this country, but when you go to a historically black college, it's something about your culture and it's something about seeing people at every level of your society. So when, when I first got started, 
I didn't know who C.T. Vivian was. You know, my, I didn't grow up um, in the South as far as like, you know, I, I, my, my dad was in the military. My mother and father from Barbados. So I'm the son of immigrants. My grandfather served at the United Nations. So, you know, my family moved here in the, in the 60s and 70s. And the, the honest to God truth is, you know, I was in a position where, you know, I was so vulnerable and so open as a young kid that, you know, I, I felt that there was a need to be to get this wisdom and this knowledge and this insight. And I mean, most people don't know I worked in the music industry. I worked for Bad Boy, Arista, Universal. I mean, I worked in the music industry my freshman and sophomore year in college and, and even into my young adulthood. And so for me, uh, when I met with them, Maynard was creating something called the American Voters League. And he had introduced me to Jesse Hill, who, if you don't know anything about Jesse Hill, besides the fact that he has a street named after him in Atlanta, he's the gentleman, one of the wealthiest black men um, that was in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Life Insurance. He actually was integral in Muhammad Ali's first fight after he got out of jail. So these were the guys I rolled with and met with two, three times a week. And I, to this day, I don't take that for granted because they're the ones that drove me to Selma. They're the ones that, that took me to the King Day holiday observance. They're the ones that told me about voting rights. They're the ones that said, it's your generation. When we were your age, we did this, this, and that. So I was groomed by guys that basically marched with Dr. King and that really set a precedent in this country of where we are now as it relates to the civil and human rights movement, at least in America. We talk oftentimes about the relationships between, you know, hip hop and politics on this podcast. It is what this podcast is about. And I wonder if your experiences within the music industry had any influence on your early organizing at all. A thousand percent. I mean, you know, one of my first gigs was working for a guy named Wayne Brown. Uh, He's since passed on. He was the program director at Radio One. And I remember my first job. I uh, was sitting in the back of this promo van, you know, this hot van with no air condition, um, going around the city, you know, uh, passing out merchandise and literature and, you know, being upset as a young kid, uh, thinking that working in the music industry was about, you know, putting out records or, you know, just doing things that we all see on TV. I, no one ever taught me about or, or I never knew the work ethic behind successful music. Um, and, and Wayne introduced me to Kathy Hughes. Wayne put me on to a lot of people, brought me into a lot of rooms, brought me into DJ meetings. And so when I was in school, uh, I went to school with some guys like, you know, uh, Don Cannon, uh, DJ Drama. Like, you know, we, we, we all went oh, to school word. together. When I, was, when I was working for Bad Boy, um, we, there was a DJ named Shaquem who was with So So Deaf. And we were all collaborating and doing parties on campus. And, you know, I cut my teeth. Um, in helping to to build this brand um, on our campus and in our city that allowed us to get to the point that I'm at now. So the way it impacted me was the work ethic. You know, when I worked in the music industry, there was this motto, the the streets don't sleep. And I I just remember always hearing Diddy or JD or whoever saying the streets don't sleep. And what they were saying was there's never a time to not promote. There's never a time to not work. There's never a time where there's not something going on where a record shouldn't be played or a flyer shouldn't be passed out or a poster board shouldn't be put up. So I took that same work ethic into organizing, right? Because the difference between music and politics, honestly, is that politics takes time off, right? Like music don't take days off. 
Entertainment doesn't take yeah. days off. People will find money they don't have to go to the Grammys if it's really that serious. With politics, it's like you get to pick and choose who you want to be around, what you want to do, and when you want to do it. And we don't have that luxury when you come from a space where where it's a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week business. And I think that's the fundamental difference. And I bought that same work ethic to politics. When people were telling me, well, hey, man, you know, why are you going to four cities in five days? Because I've been to 20 in two days when I worked in music, you know? So it's like that, 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 that work ethic. I, I remember one of my closest friends, um, Mason Bethel, you know, like, like Mason, like for, yeah. for years, um, I, I did stuff with Mason where I would have to like, literally, he, I would get a call at two o'clock to be in New York at five o'clock. Right. With with like hardly any money in the bank. But I like get on a plane, meet me, you know, meet me in Buffalo, New York at 530. Like it, like that, like music removed the excuses that people in politics make. So by the time I got into the political space, I didn't have I don't have the luxury of excuses. All I know is to get it done. Period. That's what's up. Period. So let's let's uh, pivot to uh, some policy talk. Yeah. So. The pandemic hey, is before late. Before you even do that, man, I'm going to tell y'all right now, nobody knows that story. So this is like exclusive. Y'all need to be exclusive. Y'all need to be making horns right now, man. Exclusive. <laughs> Clue. <laughs> Thorough. All right. So um, the, pa- the pandemic has laid bare the failures of our, you know, a lot of the failures of our current order. I think in particular, the way that we've shifted towards online learning has exposed how badly we failed low-income families in terms of high-speed internet access. So how can the Public Service Commission work to provide internet to all Georgians in 159 counties? I mean, that's easy. Get off their butt, get out their office and drive the investment, find the money. We make too many excuses, man. Like, I just, like, excuses make me itch. I just, I, I don't I don't get it, man. I'm, no, I'm being serious. Like, to some people that sounds comical, I, I don't get it. When when banks need to be bailed out, we find money, right? When the real estate market collapse, we find money, right? When the car industry collapse, we find the money. So I don't understand why we can't find money when it comes to poor people, to, 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 to people that don't have access to broadband. If you tell me right now that that, you know, since the pandemic, you know, a certain percentage of individuals have made over eight hundred and fifty million dollars in seven months. Then you can't tell me that we can't find five, 10, 20 million dollars to invest in the communities that just can't compete. Georgia's prison population, 88 percent of Georgia's prison population reached at a third grade level. You know why? Because somebody made an excuse that they couldn't find the money to invest into those communities. And those kids that couldn't read got left behind. And those kids that couldn't read had to compete with affluent families that were fighting for the same hope scholarship that was created for them to go to college and their parents couldn't afford it. So you can't tell me that we can't drive the investment. So what I'm going to do when I'm when I'm elected on January 5th is I'm going to remove all the excuses by finding the money. Period. I mean like I I remember individuals that were making records and they were like, "Man, we need, you know, 1500 for this demo. We need 15,000 for this tour." And they found the money. You know, people running for office right now finding two, three hundred million dollars of commercials on TV. Those same people that can cut a check for a campaign can cut a check for a good cause. And I'm going to find it, you know, whether that means we have to find do public and private partnerships. If we got to go to family offices, if we have to go around and raise the money, it doesn't matter. The fact that there's Atlanta and the rest of Georgia is a problem. 
The fact that Atlanta thrives and that Metro Atlanta has movies and sports and entertainment and then South Georgia has lack access to wireless broadband and no hospitals, that's the problem. Right. So we have to really address the issues and find the money, find the resources. And even if that means I got to get on a plane on my own dime and go to Washington with the Biden-Harris administration, which has made an innumerable amount of promises, we're going to make sure people like me. That's why it's important to elect me, to vote for me, because I'm the guy that's going to go up to Washington and be like, look, you said, you know, I'm, I, I don't have time to, to sit back. And, and and just enjoy the fact that Trump is not there. Now that he's gone, what are we going to do? That's what you get when you get me, somebody that's going to go find it and hold people accountable that said that they were going to give it. You know, climate change and environmental justice are synonymous. We need more black and brown people involved in the climate fight. Um, I, I'm in a... Oh, so can I- yeah, go ahead. Can I, I? I'm sorry. I just wanted to like let me frame that. Let me ask it. So, you know, in the the hip hop community or black community at that, you know, climate change and climate awareness isn't necessarily like at the top of people's priority list because everybody has their day to day things that they have to do. So, can you explain to us why cli- the issue of the climate and the environment is important to black people? If you want to know why it's important to black people. Ask the lower ninth ward of New Orleans who's been permanently displaced after Hurricane Katrina. Ask mm-hmm. folks in Houston, Texas, when those floods hit, how their property is now. If we really, really want to fundamentally understand the time that we're in, we need to understand that sea level rise will impact the Caribbean. I was invited to the Vatican in 2015, you know, one of 66 people in the world to be able to go to the Vatican and meet with people from Africa, from the Caribbean, from South America, from Australia, from Madrid, from all over the world. And I saw the uh, the African countries that we don't talk about, like when Sudan had their floods. I've seen what happened in the Bahamas. I saw what happened to our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. And if we don't start paying attention, we will forget and and not remember that when it comes to climate change, which which is basically a man-made impact, the, the over usage of a dependency on fossil fuels that has really compromised our environment, environment and our climate. What we are now seeing is communities of color, first and foremost, being impacted. Why? Look at acidification. Most black folks, and most people don't even know what acidification is. I don't know what acidification is. The planet planet is getting so hot that it's causing the water to get warmer, which is killing off our fisheries. So like our our oysters, our, 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 uh, our shrimp, our fish, a lot of black people are dependent, especially if you live on the coast, on fish, right? It's destroying our ecosystems. So we need to understand that climate change fundamentally impacts everything. From um, excuse me, I'm just going right now. But no, go get it. Plastic pollution to looking at you know asthma cases. I grew up with asthma, right? No one ever tells us why we're diagnosed with asthma. But when you see George Floyd say I can't breathe, when you hear Eric Garner say I can't breathe, you got to also hear the voices of the the three times the national average of black and brown children that say I can't breathe every day because they have asthma and they're missing school because of asthma and we're missing work because of asthma. So when you ask me about climate change, I want you to understand it's not just about the weather. It's about our public health. It's about our survival. 
You want to know why the, the life expectancy of black and brown people dropped by nine to 10 years when it comes to our white and our Asian and our Latino counterparts? It's because of the air we breathe and the water we drink. So what I want people to know in closing is environmental justice matters, right? Climate change matters. Understanding the science matters because our communities are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The fact that our communities don't know what's going on, we don't know what we're drinking, we don't know what we're breathing, we don't understand how solar energy versus fossil fuel industry can not only lower our bills, but it can also put us in a position where we can breathe better, right? And so we have to understand that we're the front line of defense for our communities, and this is the only position in the state of Georgia that's a statewide constitutional office that can not only fight on work for lowering utility bills, but that can fight climate change, that can expand broadband, that can, that can do the things that our faces traditionally have not been at the forefront of. So on January 5th, vote Daniel Blackman for, for Public Service Commission. Uh, I will be the first black public service commissioner elected in 141 years. I'll be the only Democrat elected statewide for the next two years. And I'll be the only African-American, to my knowledge, in the southeastern United States elected to this high of a position that deals directly with energy and the utility regulation. Daniel, how can people help you out if they want to see you elected on January 5th? Where do they find more info about how they can get plugged in? Man, you need to just like like replicate yourself, Mariah, because first of all, shout out to Mariah for, for, for the uh for the drop. Shout out to Mariah for being amazing. Shout out to, to all of y'all. But no, what we need to do is elevate hip hop culture, right? Um hip hop, you know, at, at the height of rock and roll, um, rock and roll and pop had somewhere around I think it was like a 52 percentile as far as the global acceptance. Hip hop currently, from a global acceptance standpoint, is at 78 percent. In other words, hip hop influences everything. We have outpaced rock. We've outpaced pop. We've outpaced everything. We have to weaponize our strength. Right. Our culture is our vibranium. Our culture and everything we do is what makes us strong. So we have to leverage hip hop to make sure that the voting and electric pro electric process um, is relevant. You guys have to use this medium and platform to encourage more people to vote. I just gave a flyer to a brother and I've got to end here. I was on my way to see Ossoff and, and former secretary Julian Castro today. And when I pulled up, I saw a brother sitting in a truck and I gave him my flyer. And I said, brother, you registered the vote. And I said, you registered the vote. I'm on the ballot. And he said, brother, I effed that up a long time ago. And I said, man, you didn't mess it up. I said, you might not be able to vote right now, but let me work with you. Let me help you. If you can't vote, let me teach you what you can do. And let me teach you how to express how to spread that in our community. We got to stop writing people off because they don't understand our agenda. Right. Because there's there's something I always say to my team and I always say on platforms. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So we got to start building up our community and letting people know that you have a you have a role to play in the fundamental education and advancement of our communities. Go to DanielForGeorgia.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-F-O-R, Georgia, spelled out, dot com. Vote for Daniel Blackman. Tell three, four, five, 20 of your friends. Tell your family members. And we are going to change the world on January 5th. Yes, the Senate majority is important, but to have a black man in an office that fundamentally understands the importance of our interfaith community, of our low and moderate income families and of our future. The vote for me. A vote for me is a vote for progress. And just realistically, 
for us to change the narrative. And, and I thank y'all for this platform. And I thank you for Absolutely. the opportunity. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. And early voting starts on Monday, so everybody get out. I love it. But all right, thank you so much, man. I know you got to run, but this was yeah. awesome. All right, peace, yeah. My brother, let's be in touch anytime. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. So yeah, DanielForGeorgia.com, all spelled out. You can go there to figure out how to, you know volunteer opportunities as well. To our Georgia listeners, early voting for the runoff election starts on Monday. And so, uh, you know, get out and vote early. I usually go the second day of early voting. The lines are less long because people, everybody, everybody, even their mom goes votes on the first day. Like it's Christmas morning. They can't wait (laughs) to open their ballot and vote for John fucking Ossoff. So, um, that was a fiery guy. Go go Tuesday. I'm going to go Tuesday. Go Tuesday. Go vote, you know, go vote for the homies. And then, uh, you know, phone banking, tax banking. There's all sorts of opportunities to help out. So on to our music discussion for the day. Well, talking with Daniel, especially that last bit where he was going in about the environment, I wanted to find some environmental rap songs, some songs that comment on our struggle with the environment and first up it's a song that we've mentioned i think once or twice before on the program mainly on some different issues but it is the most deaf track new world water Tell your crew use the H2 and wise amounts since the new world water and every drop counts. You collaborate. I feel like no, it's cool. I feel like this song is prophetic because I've been reading a lot about the commodification of water recently. 
and like speculation around like yeah, it, be a hot commodity and it's like ooh that's fucking dystopian and terrifying <laughs> anticipating the scarcity and shit yeah for ruining my day also thanks most def for predicting that in like 1999 yeah nah like that shit used to scare the hell especially the part where he said um he says like it's about to get w- real wild and laugh you'll be t- you'll be buying Avion just to take a fucking bath like I don't know why that shit lingered with me back in the day, but that was always a rhyme that I always remembered. Like, I mean, a motherfucker would be in the shower, you know what I'm saying? When you're reaching like that 15th minute, <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, I'm wasting water right now, am I? Most stuff would be frowning at me. Let me turn this off and get out. Why are you thinking that and looking down at you from heaven like, ah. <laughs> You wasting water. You're you wasting go- water. That's not what most stuff sounds like. What the- but like I imagine, I was like imagining like most stuff is like a Jesus figure. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's like head. you know, you know how you have the the devil and the angel conscience shit. It's like you got like the most stuff on the side of you. Like yo, it's because of you. The future generations are gonna be buying Avion just to take a fucking bath. <laughs> yeah. like, like that. All right. So um, next up in Mariah the linguist, you are going to have to help me with this name. Yeah, Zio Tescado. Yo. Zio Tescado. Yeah, Zio Tescado. Zio Tescado. That yeah. sounds really dope. I I I feel like that's right. I'm not sure if that's right, but it sounds right. And coming from you, I trust that that's how you pronounce it. Zio Tescado is an environmental activist and hip hop artist, um, youth director of Earth Guardians, a worldwide conservation organization, and one of 21 plaintiffs involved in the Juliana versus United States lawsuit filed against the U.S. government for failing to act on climate change. The lawsuit was filed in 2015, and a federal court rejected the government's move to dismiss the case in November 2016. Martinez, Zio Tescado, is also one of seven plaintiffs in Martinez versus Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. The case... Uh, it's like a state level lawsuit similar to Juliana versus United States. So these niggas out here calling people accountable. They ain't playing no games, just taking them straight to the Supreme Court, being like, yo, you are literally selling my future to ExxonMobil. And here is his track, Magic. Soak the canvas, taste the poison whenever the wind blows. Wage war, people suffering while we kill the planet. I lost my innocence. Yeah, no, that was dope. Um, I've I've yeah, seen. Okay. He touches upon yeah, intersecting existential crises of just like the impacts of what sounded to me like living under capitalism, which has driven you know anthropogenic climate disaster. Oh, uh, he's talking about like turning to a bottle of pills, da, 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 da. like it's all interconnected and you can feel that in his lyricism. I do believe um he's indigenous too. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that is dope. Well, we need, on indigenous brothers and sisters. We do have an episode on indigenous hip hop that we we it's in the works. You can't see cuz this is a podcast, but we're both looking at each other like Ugh. it's in the works it's, it's in the works. works we still we still have we still have stuff to do on it but it's yeah. coming but um nah that was dope i've seen some of his uh speaking in poetry before um like a lot of that is a lot more because uh the clips that i've seen of that was at actual environmental list like events and things like that so it's a lot more directly addressing the issue and and you know 
unambiguous terms and stuff like that, but I did want to kind of see what his music was like and to see yeah, how he was incorporating words. that. I imagine he's as powerful a speaker as, as, an, as he is an MC. Um, the next track is my surprise for you. So I... just, just think back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of the Obama administration and not doing enough on the issue of climate change in the eight years that they had. Well, this song is a 2009 gem that I found by the rapper Marquise. It's called The Dream Reborn. Now, the description of the song describes it as a song extolling the virtues of green living and investment in green jobs for disadvantaged communities. The virtues of green living. I'm going to stop there. I mean, I don't think there's anything particularly virtuous about being able to afford like your fucking $500,000 house in the suburbs and like driving a fucking Prius which I do but like whatever like to date to date the song is the most (laughs) to date the song is the most powerful voice coming from impacted communities (laughs) to address the problems of poverty environmental uh, degradation and the opportunity presented by an inclusive green economy Properly promoted and leveraged, this project can reach a broad demographic of current and future green advocates and practitioners. So let's hear, let's hear this fire from Marquise. The Dream Reborn. We probably get a chance to have a conversation about conservation. He rather kind of nation for compensation. Look. That was hot. Wow, Marquise. That was hot, oh Marquise. I have to say, that's probably <laughs> the... Take. He said the in the hybrid on rims. <laughs> Yo, for real, that was... I got to give it up, man. That was, like, probably the coolest after-school special rap that I've ever heard. Like, for real, because... The bars were on point. Every single aspect of it, just from the technical end of like, a, from the rapper end, it was like, okay, this is, he's like a legit, like legit rapper, you know what I'm saying? So then I could just enjoy the content of what he was saying, which is like shit that I agree with. Like you said, he was saying real shit, so. Yeah, yeah. And again, tying it back to the economy. It's like, we're trying to get, you know, we're trying to save the earth and we're trying to get that money. Mm-hmm. So... And I- I, I thought you would. Uh, I thought no, I you definitely would... dug that. I thought that was dumb. Word, word. Okay, that is it for us this week, y'all. Once again, follow us on all of the things. I Heart Reparations on Instagram. Dope Knife, Lingua Franca. You guys know where to find us. We're going to close this one off with a piece that Mariah wrote about our guest today. So, Joel, can we get a beat? We waiting on reparations, ayy. We waiting on reparations, ayy, ayy, ayy. 
everybody's buzzing. Of Ossoff and Warnock, we mention the public service commissions in the runoff. From Albany to the city of Columbus to McDonough, we need every one of you to tell your friends and tell your lovers and your cousins, uncles, mamas to go out and vote for someone who will make it cheaper to dry your covers and heat your ovens who'll bring access to the internet to all the least among us and sustainability to Georgia's energy production. Daniel Blackman is the homie with the vision and the gumption to be public service commissioner. You want him to govern? Get your ass to the polls January 5th for public service commissioner. Daniel Braylon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting Wait on, on reparations. reparations. See you next week. Next week. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota the wait is over the shy is back on paramount plus and the stakes have never been higher Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.